What number is this, Chip? Episode 75, the Monkey's Color Cast Commentary for the Audition slash Find the Monkeys. And more. Okay, no, I mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. I'm Zilch. You're listening to Zilch, a Monkey's Podcast. that familiar music we welcome you back to your podcast full of monkeys zilch i'm ken mills one of your hosts here today and today i'm joined by christine wolf how are you doing christine i'm good ken how are you hi everybody i'm doing well today we are doing the monkey color cast commentary for the episode the edition slash find the monkeys and this is a really cool one melanie mitchell and jeff hewlett will delve into that and later michael lynch will be here with his project the hubble benson all-stars and he'll show us what the four martians the jolly green giants and the foreign agents might have sounded like so so that's going to be really cool but before we do that let's check out what's going on in monkeys news and monkeys culture this week christine the monkeys are still on tour they are the tour that never ends is still not over They are continuing touring in Australia, even as we are recording. And it's fantastic, and it's so cool that our Australian friends and folks in New Zealand are able to see the monkeys. And, you know, people are starting to realize that there are no new dates scheduled for 2017, so we don't know what that means as of right now. No, we don't. But we know that the guys will never remain dormant for long. They're always going to be doing something. So whether it's the monkeys or whether they're monkeying around individually, we'll see what happens. So so for the people who are getting to see the monkeys this year, it's just, just so cool. So what else do we got going on? I understand the Video Ranch has some cool stuff going on over at Michael Nesmith's Video Ranch. They do. They're coming out with some really cool new products they have the really awesome camo nez head beanie it's a uh, an homage a tip of the hat pardon the pun to mike's movie tape heads yeah. that was out in the 90s that's a really really cool looking beanie there are some new bumper stickers that they have available as well as well as the old favorites the coffo cuppy and <laughs> music and posters and all sorts of really cool products you should definitely check them out at videoranch.com I know that they recently had where Mike was signing elephant parts, and you can get the books signed as well. You know, he he runs these specials, and it seems like they've really become reinvigorated lately, like they're doing a bunch of more stuff with the site. So so that's cool if you're a Nez head, and who isn't? That's very cool. And in other solo monkey stuff, Mickey and his lovely sister Coco are doing some things, correct? They are. Um... The Monkees themselves, as a band, may not be uh, committing to any dates in 2017 yet, 
I did hear Mickey uh, say in a recent interview, never say never, mm-hmm. uh, which was encouraging. But in the meantime, we know that Mickey has a few solo dates. He is returning back to 54 Below in New York City in March, March 24th, 25th, and 29th. And on the 25th, he is actually going to have his solo show. He bills it as a little bit Broadway, a little bit rock and roll. Mm -hmm. If anybody heard the concert that he did there last year, you kind of know what the show is all about. It's very cool. He's Mm -hmm. got a really tight backing band. And he does a lot of familiar monkeys tunes, but he also does Broadway tunes from some of the shows that he has been in, like Aida and uh, Grease and a funny thing happened on the way to the forum and Pippin. So it's a really cool show, a little bit different than what uh, monkey fans are used to seeing him uh, doing, perhaps. But he sells them. He is a, a, a just a consummate showman. It's a great, a great opportunity. Uh, on the 25th, he's actually opening for his sister. Yeah. Coco is going to make her Broadway debut and do her concert that same night. So there are opportunities for you to see a Mickey solo show and Coco's Broadway debut all in the same night. And there are tickets available. That's fantastic news. We encourage everybody to check out Mickey and Coco's shows. And I understand that you and our own Sarah Clark are going to be part of a private party that some lucky people be able to be in attendance. It's kind of a meet and greet sort of a thing that Jody Ritson kind of put together. And you're uh, looking forward to that, I imagine. Absolutely. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. A hundred people are going to be at a gathering where we'll get to meet Mickey and Coco and spend a little time with them. And yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're really looking forward to it. It's going to be a, a cool way for the, some of the fans to hang out and, and spend time with one another. And it's a really cool package that Jody has put together for Mickey's show and for Coco's show. As of this recording, only six tickets remain for the shows on March 25th. Jody has special packaging pricing of $160 for both shows. That's a bargain, gang. If you're interested, head over to monkeysconvention2016.com right now to buy your tickets before they're all gone. And we'll put that link in the show notes for you, too. And you will be there, and we know you will have a good time. So so you and Sarah will be able to give us a review, and we look forward to that in the future. Well, Ken, we've also heard from Ian Lee that Andrew Hickey is updating his wonderful book, Monkey Music, and he has promised updating all the way through Good Times, The Point, Davy's first solo album, and more. It's a great companion to the recordings. And uh, there's been a lot that's gone on since his book was first published. And so he has started a Kickstarter campaign to get this book updated and off the ground. So if you're interested, check out the Kickstarter link in the show notes. Very good. We will do that. I know myself. I love his book and I'm looking forward to an updated version. It is definitely uh, going to be a good time as well. 
And in one final thing before we leave the monkeys news is that you have a chance to vote for album of the year and song of the year, correct? Yes, that's right. UltimateClassicRock.com is conducting polls for both song of the year and album of the year. Uh, and the monkeys are doing really well on yeah. those on on those polls. Um, voting continues through January 9th. It ends at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time, and you can actually vote once an hour. So, And on all of your computers and your phones and your tablets, any platform. So um, vote, vote, vote. We have Good Times leading the pack currently for the album of the year, and... Me and Magdalena is in the lead for Song of the Year, but David Bowie's Black Star is coming up hot on its heels, so we need you all to get out there and vote once an hour between now and January 9th. Then there's also Little Stevens, undergroundgarage.com, has their poll for the coolest song in the world 2016, and Birth of an Accidental Hipster is in that running, and guess who's in the lead? It's the hipsters. Who knew? We can continue to vote once a day at undergroundgarage.com through December 24th at noon Eastern Time, so you'll want to check all of those polls out, and you know, the Monkees didn't make a Grammy nod this year. It was a very odd year for Grammy nominations. The categories and, Boy, and who was ever. slotted in them is kind of unusual. But that's okay. The Monkees didn't make it there. But we can show how much we appreciate the Good Times album and me and Magdalena and Hipster by going to these online polls. And vote, 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 guys. And that wraps up Monkey News for now. Very cool. Well, I think now it's time to jump into the monkey's mailbag. Ready? I'm ready. P.O. Box 9847. Alrighty. We have a review from Ellen M. Ellen writes, a five-star review. Says, amazing. Best show hands down. As a 25-year-old nurse, I love making my patients smile with my lifelong love of the monkeys. This podcast is teaching me so much that I thought I already knew. I also run long distances, and sometimes I go for a four or five hours just because I can't stop in the middle of an episode. It's too good. The monkeys have always made my heart so happy, and I can't thank you enough. So thank you, L&M. That's very cool. So so not only is Zilch good at getting out more dirt, but we're also good for your for your heart. You know, if we're getting your heart <laughs> racing and going and your heart beat up that much, it's it's really good. So listen to the podcast and work out. We'll get healthier. We we can we can start our uh, New Year's our resolutions. New Year's resolutions. Yeah, exactly. Right. We'll start those earlier. We also have one from Chirpy Girl. Hi, Chirpy Girl. <laughs> five-star review she writes love this podcast if you want to hear anything and everything about that 60s project the monkeys this is the place love this show thank you chirpy girl so we want to encourage everybody if you can please leave a review on itunes it really helps us out and it gets people to know about the show and it shows up in itunes listings a little higher each time that you do it and uh it goes into their suggested podcast. So just by rating us, you are helping spread the news about Zilch. So so thank you. No, no. 
I'm Fred Velez. My new book, A Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You, The Monkeys from a Fan's Perspective, chronicles my experiences with the monkeys from the 1960s into today, along with stories by other fans and how the monkeys touched our lives. A Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You, The Monkeys from a Fan's Perspective by Fred Velez, available on Amazon.com, CreateSpace.com, Smashwords.com, Apple iBooks, Barnes & Noble Nook, and other print and ebook outlets. On today's episode, we're doing the Monkeys Color Cast Commentary for the audition slash find the monkeys in which producer Hubble Benson hears a tape of the monkeys and he frantically stages auditions in hope of finding them for his new television show unaware that they are desperately trying to audition for him there were three songs used in this episode sweet young thing Papa Jean's blues and Mary Mary so the monkeys almost had a shot at becoming a big band in their own monkeys tv universe and the song that got hubble benson's attention was mary mary here's the guys in 2015 doing mary mary live sensational sensational that's great that's the group i'm looking for
the sound. That's the sound, boys. You're going to be the stars of my new TV show. Why, within one month, you won't be able to turn on a television or radio set without hearing you play my theme song. How does it go, Miss Chomsky? La, 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 That's it. That's the sound. Irene Chomsky. I never knew. Right under my own nose. What's wrong with me? Well, you're rude, impolite, cheap. Miss Chomsky, Brass. you're the star Absolutely of my new show. Terribly Just got the high sign that Jeff Hewlett, Melanie Mitchell, and Ghosty Timmers are ready. So without further ado, it is time to press the big button on the big remote here at the Zilch headquarters. The big monkey remote. Are you ready? I'm ready. Well, button queen, here you go. Press that big button and let's kick this one off. All right, here we go. Hey, wait a minute, guys. You know what? It's 7.36.30 Central Time. It's time for the monkeys. I wonder if anybody around here has got a television set. Hi, friends. Ralph Williams, one of the world's largest... We, what we wanted to play was on the... Creebitch. Creebitch. How do you... The Monkeys. Brought to you by Kellogg. Tonight's Monkey's Color Cast commentary is brought to you by April's Laundromat. Now open seven days a week. See April to get your suds half off. Open seven days a week, convenient to the beach in Malibu. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to our Zilch Colorcast commentary for Find the Monkeys, a.k.a. The Audition. I am Jeff Hewlett, and with me once again is Monkey Magic author Melanie Mitchell. Hello! Hi there! Hi, how are you? I am wonderful, and we we saw each other recently at the uh, the Shoe Suede Blues show, so uh, it was nice to get together with you. It's always good to get back on our Colorcast schedule, though. It was awesome. We had a wonderful time that weekend. Certainly did. And oh, by the way, before we forget to do this, we've got some unfinished business from some of our previous color cast commentaries. Melanie, do you want to answer some of our lingering questions? I do. I've got a couple items going back two episodes to the case of the missing monkey. Um, first, we talked about the building that stood in for the Remington Clinic, which turned out to be a Screen Gems office. Hmm. Uh, thanks to our Facebook listener, Esther Fitzpatrick. We learned that that building is indeed still standing on the Sunset and Gower lot. Um, she sent us a couple photographs of it, and it's a little hard to recognize, but the one thing that is absolutely certain is the stone coin around the um, front door with the arched doorway. Definitely the same building. It's definitely still there. So hurrah awesome. for that, and we will share Esther's photo on the Facebook post. Very cool. Also, Fred Velez chimed in very quickly after we talked about Case of the Missing Monkey and said that the word monkey mobile was indeed used in a subsequent episode. It was used in the episode Monkey's Race Again. Um, Davey spoke it. 
he was referring to the fact that they had a, a car they could use for the race and he did call it the monkey mobile so i was wrong congratulations fred i owe you a cookie you named the other episode in which the word monkey mobile was used now getting back to the episode i was a teenage monster uh, Jeff, you asked if duping bands with fake gigs was a big thing on TV in the 60s. <laughs> yeah. Well, I still don't know the answer to that question. But Facebook listener Randall Bowie did draw our attention to an episode of the Beatles cartoon series. Huh. And that episode was called If I Fell. And in that episode, an evil scientist wanted John's brain for hmm. a Frankenstein-type monster. So I haven't seen the cartoon. I don't know how strong the similarity is, but that episode of the Beatles cartoon was a full year earlier than the oh, monkeys episode. For maybe what it's, maybe worth. it's a thing for uh, for male quartets. They they want to <laughs> dupe male quartets and steal their musical abilities. <laughs> the other question you asked that I was able to answer was about the labels on the machinery in oh. the evil lab. You were able to make out some of the labels, but there was one that you were not able to make out. Um, I did put the slow-mo on my blu-ray and the label was galaxy junction huh Ta-da! the benefits of the blu-rays yep that's all i have all right so we are going to move on to our current color cast commentary once again we're talking about find the monkeys and uh we always talk a little bit about the cast and crew when we do these so uh let's jump into some of the information on this episode melanie it was written by Dave Evans. Um, he got sole credit on the screen. However, I have a copy of the script, and the script says it was written by Dave Evans in conjunction with Gerald Gardner and Dee Caruso. Oh. And they did work together on up other episodes as well. So I'm not really sure how much of the contribution came from each of them. Hmm. Our director this time is a fellow named Richard Nunes. And he only directed one Monkeys episode. And the strange thing about him, the amazing thing about him is, as far as I can tell, this was the only thing he ever directed, or at least oh. the only thing he ever directed that ever got aired. Um, we don't know what he may have directed in terms of commercials, local TV, live stage. Um, Roseanne Welch suggested that perhaps he might have directed pilots that were never sold. So he might have directed other things, but the only one that's listed on IMDb is this one episode of The Monkees. And this episode was filmed in late September of 1966 and aired in January of 1967. And about halfway between those two dates, Richard Nunes died. Wow. Um, he was 39 years old and he died of cancer. Wow, that's so, young. He never lived to see this episode air. Oh, that's a shame. And I got to say, having done the script to screen analysis for this episode, the things that he added to this episode are astonishing. Really? Um, some of the visual moments in this in the episode, and I'm just going to describe really quickly two of them. Um, right at the beginning of the episode, there's a moment when um, Mickey has a panic attack. Yep. And then proceeds to run rampant over the entire pad. Yes. Um, including climbing up the outside of the spiral staircase. Mm -hmm. In the script, he just fell off his chair. Hmm. That's, That's the only cool. thing that was described in the script was he fell off the chair. Yeah, I actually have some notes to talk about this during our commentary track because it's such an impressive sequence. It's amazing. And the other thing was um, the scene later in the in the pad where they're all just hanging around 
enjoying a lazy morning. Again, the script was very vague about what they were doing. And he added some incredible visual touches, including the fact that Davy was lying underneath the hammock that Peter yeah. was swinging in. With the guitar, so, no less. <laughs> hats off to Richard Nunes for what he added to this wonderful episode. Yeah, for sure. It's just, I'm, I'm sad to hear that he passed away so early in his life. Yeah. It's a shame. So what about the cast? This episode has quite a few colorful actors and actresses in it my goodness yes um bobo lewis plays miss chomsky uh, her career was divided between hollywood and live theater including 25 years with the circle repertory theater um, she also appeared in dozens of tv shows and films primarily in the 60s and 70s including four episodes of bewitched and seven episodes of that girl nice. later in her career she was a regular on the kids tv show shining time station in a character named Midge Smoot. Wow, I remember seeing her quite a bit on television when I was a kid. She was a very familiar face in a lot mm -hmm. of the reruns. Um, Carl Ballantyne, actually, very interesting character. He plays Hubble Benson in this episode and quite well, I think. He was born on September 27th of 1917. He was actually born under the name Meyer Kessler in Chicago. He started out as a magician and later changed his act to something called comedy magic. Uh, and at the same time he changed his act, he also changed his name to Carl Ballantyne after seeing an advert for Ballantyne whiskey and thinking the name sounded classy in Hollywood. So uh, the magic act uh, that he had was called Ballantyne, the world's greatest magician. He entertained troops during World War II. Uh, he was billed as the amazing Mr. Ballantyne when he played New York Capitol 1950 and also on the Ed Sullivan Show and the Steve Allen Show in the 50s and 60s. He was the first magician to play Las Vegas, uh, appearing with Harry James, Betty Gravel, and Sammy Davis Jr. at El Rancho in 1956. Uh, for television roles, he's probably best known for his role in McHale's Navy as Lester Gruber. Uh, he also appeared on The Partridge Family, I Dream of Jeannie, and of course The Monkees. And he was cast in several movies as well. Uh, Mikhail's Navy, uh, Penelope, Speedway, Shakiest Gun in the West. Uh, he was also in Billy Crystal's de uh, directorial debut in Mr. Saturday Night. So he's been around quite a while, and he uh, passed away on November 3rd of 2009. So let's see. We also have uh, Joe Higgins, who plays uh, the masseur. So we see uh, Hubble Benson getting massages quite a bit early in the episode and he appeared in two other monkeys episodes he was a security guard in the pilot and he was also uh max in the prince and the paupers uh next up we also have art lewis he's the missing persons inspector does a great job at that quite funny also appeared in the episode the picture frame as the defense lawyer before i move on to the other musical acts i want to point out one other thing about carl valentine sure and that is that he was married for 45 years mm. to an actress named Seal Cabot. Mm -hmm. And Seal Cabot appeared in two episodes of The Monkees. She was a housekeeper in Royal Flush, and she was an autograph hound who fell in love with Davy's grandfather in Success Story. Yeah. Didn't she wind up they, being rich at the end of Royal Flush, too? Yes, she did. <laughs> she uh, she uh, bought uh, American Steel at 28 and a half, something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> end up owning the hotel um they were married for 45 years until she died oh. so uh, that was a very long long-lived um hollywood marriage yeah 
Um, the four Martians were played by the monkey's own stand-ins, huh. David Price, David Pearl, Rick Klein, and John London. Mm. I'm pretty sure it's Rick Klein who does the speaking for the group, who has the only speaking role among the four Martians. Um, the leader of the foreign agents was played by a young man named Bill Calloway, and he is notable for being one of the eight finalists who appeared in the monkey's audition screen tests. Oh, wow. So he was one of the eight people who might have been a monkey. Huh. Four of them got the roles and four of them didn't. And he was one of those eight. Hmm. And as far as the Jolly Green Giants are concerned, I have no idea who they are and, or who it was who did the speaking for them. So he was huh. uncredited and I do not know his name. That's amazing. And they say so much in this episode too. There's so many yo-ho-hos. I think I could be wrong, but I think that a lot of it determined, what determines whether you get screen credit or not is your agent. Oh, yeah. And how they negotiate it. Yeah. Um, you know, he may have just been a, a young man who had never had any previous roles and was just glad to be on screen, but um, did not get credit. And I do not know who he was. Oh, that's a shame. So actually, Melanie, I have a question about the um, the episode and the extremely large number of extras that appear in this episode in speaking and acting roles, not just people filling a background uh, in a dance scene, but it seems to me that this episode has quite a few. I was wondering if this may, is this, does this episode maybe have the most uh, actual actors and actresses doing things as extras in this episode? I mean, significant extra roles? Jeff, I have absolutely no idea. I, I will try to do some research on the question, but it's, I mean, how do you count participation? I do, however, think I can say that there were more people in the kidnap scene when everyone was dancing, doing the kidnap during your friendly neighborhood kidnappers. Yeah, I was kind of discounting that just as a, you know, a bunch of background people just moving around. I was thinking this has so many people who are speaking and you know, actively taking part in the scenes uh, as you know, comedic actors and actresses. I just thought there may have been a, a, a count somewhere that someone might have been keeping track of it. But. Well, <laughs> I haven't, but uh, maybe somebody on the Facebook group will speak up or I can, you know, sort of review and think if I can come up with any others. There were a lot of people in Success Story, hmm. but I think there are more people in the pad at one time in this episode because we have all four monkeys plus the four Martians plus the three foreign agents plus the three Jolly Green Giants plus mm -hmm. Benson and... Miss Chomsky, all yep. in the pad at the same time. And add to that the monsieur, the manicurist, and the reporters. You might be right. Yeah. Oh, and all the people waiting to use the phone. Yeah, the whole the, the long line of people. Yeah, Superman, Clark Kent yeah, is we, there. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> but uh, all right, well, um, we're getting ready to do our color cast commentary. I think we have a do you have a couple dates that we want to throw out uh, about this episode before we. Uh, Filming wrapped on September 27th. It was the 15th episode in filming order. Um, and the, it was aired on January 23rd, which would make it the 19th episode in air date order. So filmed a little bit early in the earlier in the sequence than when it was aired. Um, I'll also point out that the weekend before that Monday air date in January, the Monkees performed concerts in Phoenix and San Francisco, hmm. which were filmed along with lots of other footage for the future episode monkeys on tour very cool song substitutions in this one not that i am aware of 
Um, there was no repeat in the summer of 67. It was used in 1970 and later on Saturday morning TV, but my sources do not list any song substitutions. So I don't know if they did or not. Oh. And also, all the songs in this episode were written by Mike Nesmith. Oh, cool. I didn't even pick up on that, but that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So, all right. So that takes us right up to our color cast commentary for this episode of The Monkees. And we're going to give you a three count with which you can sync up your episodes and watch along with us as we talk through them. So get your players, your YouTubes, your Netflix, your Blu-rays, whatever you have queued up. And we are going to start our color cast commentary in three, two, one. Ah, the buzzing fly gag. Such a common, common trope in these sitcoms. According to the script, one of the four Martians was actually supposed to be making the buzzing noise and tickling his nose. <laughs> really? It didn't really translate onto the screen very well. Oh, man. I love this physical comedy by Mickey. What an incredible performance. It is amazing. Absolutely amazing. One of the real treats of this episode is that the use of the whole space. Yeah. I just, I, 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 you know, I was thinking to myself, to myself that after watching this, that uh, I don't know if we would be allowed to do that without a stunt double today. Oh, Mickey running up the outside of the staircase. And that, that alone was, and then sliding down. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, really. You know, the I you know I, I love the concepts that they come up with these for these themed bands in this episode. But how did those guys perform with those stockings over their heads? Why are they walking around in the middle of the daytime with stockings over their heads? Yeah, who and and what is it with these poor bands? they all these bands are so <laughs> poor. They're borrowing guitar strings from each other. Well, they. It, I think they're trying to reflect to the audience what we think the Los Angeles music scene is really like. So there's Bill Calloway speaking for the foreign agents, the fellow who almost was a monkey. Nice. Um, and uh, it's, it, I think it's cool that they had such uh, unusual bands as their competition. Yeah, and they're all themed when the monkeys are not. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. So you, you, know my, um, you know my penchant for picking out signage on the walls of, yeah, the, uh, mm -hmm. of the monkeys' pads. I love the, the handwritten... Uh, the handwritten sign, this is in case of fire, run yeah. in the background. This is the no smoking or street clothes yeah. sign in the background. Uh -huh. The scrub up sign over scrub the sink. Up. There's right. so much stuff in the background of this of this pad that they live now, in. It's great. And until I saw this on the Blu-ray, I always thought that the Jolly Green Giants makeup was sort of gray. Hmm. But on the Blu-ray, you can actually see the green tint to their body makeup. Um, it wasn't really bright green, but it was greenish. Hmm. So I, well, I was so, wondering about the Jolly Green Giants. Is is, is that what you think that's product placement, or do they have to pay some kind of royalties to Green Giant vegetables? Oh, with the Yo Ho Ho, uh, yeah. they probably didn't have to pay for the product placement, but I don't think the folks at uh, Green Giant would have minded. <laughs> yeah, you never know. <laughs> some some companies are very litigious. <laughs> Might have tarnished the name of the Jolly Green Giant. Also, the hats they were wearing, which we'll see again later in the episode, were the same um, caps that the monkeys wore when they were being doused with pies in the beginning of Captain Crocodile. Oh, nice. I think they're bathing caps. That's what they are. Well, I have another challenging question for you, by the oh, way. Oh, God. Each, each of the you notice that each of the three bands was holding the what looked like the exact same invitation sticking out of an envelope. 
do you think it, they had three separate ones or was it the same one and each band just held the same envelope? I'm sure it was the same one. There was no need to print three. <laughs> uh, I love, here's another example of Richard Nunes's work, um, yeah. arranging them. In the script, they were lying around the, the apartment, but they weren't arranged the way they are arranged here. Uh, they were just, you know, hanging around. It looks like they may have had to rearrange the furniture, though, to get them all in an, in an <laughs> actual plus sign shape. Yeah, and I Mike's love that rotation of the camera, too. Yeah, this is a great exchange with Mike twiddling his thumbs. Mm -hmm. And there's the traditional name on the glass door of the office. Can I tell you how bad I wanted one of these motorized beds when I was a kid <laughs> and saw there's this episode? Again, watching the Blu-ray, I could see the pull um, wire that's dragging it out of the office when he goes to talk to Miss Tomsky. Um, <laughs> it's not actually motorized. They were just hauling it from yeah. place to place. I know. Well, it's supposed to be motorized. You're supposed to be. But, you know, I was trying to figure out exactly what they did. It looks like a wheelchair almost <laughs> with, a, with, with some kind of wooden planks like kind of wired to covered in leather. And did you notice he has two phones on that? <laughs> Are those supposed yeah. to be wireless phones, or where are the wires for those? Oh, they probably drag them around. Instantly in the script, Miss Chomsky was described as nervous and plain. Um, Bobo Lewis anything took, but. No, Bobo Lewis took that role and ran with it. She is anything but nervous and plain. She is so sassy. Yeah, she's the typical sassy secretary and does a great, great job of it. Mm-hmm. But did you – Um, I love the uh, – the timestamp moment there, having the monkey stand in front of that NBC sign yeah. with the old logo on it. There's no mistaking the time yeah. period in which this was filmed. Yeah, that's actually right out in front of Channel 4 in Los Angeles. Now, watch, there's a camera angle between the reels of the tape recorder mm. that cannot be made with the tape recorder there. There it is. Huh. Oh, there you look at that. <laughs> they had so to set that up special, yeah. To dismantle the tape recorder and just had the reels only with the camera behind them. And they the were names, spinning, no less. Yeah, the names on the sign include James Frawley, Frawley James, mm -hmm. and um, Nunes, Richard, and Williams Jack, who is the prop manager that we see in uh, the episode Monkey's Mind Their Manor. Oh, you headed me off of the past, Melanie. I was going to ask <laughs> about the names. Good for you. <laughs> I don't know about the others. I just know about those three. But they all might have been members of the cast or, or production company. I'm not sure. Yeah, you know another thing that's that I stuck out to me about this episode, and this is maybe something that influenced the writing of the or the the, the portrayal of the Hubble Benson character. But you notice you see him constantly laying around, getting massaged, uh, not wanting to walk on his own, driving around. Was that the typical image of you know a media mogul back in those I, days? That's what people really thought those guys were like. I think they were just going for comic effect. Well, of course, it's usually they exaggerate, effect. you know, they Watch exaggerate. The what Peter, as Davey describes oh, yes. sea voyage to him. Yeah, I love the green light. I was wondering how bright that light had to have been <laughs> in poor Peter's eyes right there as he's looking right into it. Peter really did a good job with the, with the hiccuping and the, the other effects, the, the seasickness and the hay fever that comes up later. Yeah, he gets a little yellow light, too. And there's the polka dot yeah. drawers. <laughs> right. Talking Great physical about acting, too. The tropes of the 60s. Yes. Awesome physical acting by uh, Carl Ballantyne there, by, by the way. <laughs> Bumping into the sign and straightening his hair. Mm -hmm. And notice Mickey's shirt is untucked. He was certainly being pampered. Why is oh, yeah. 
Yeah, but he's well, the only one that's should... untucked, and it it changes from tucked to untucked. See, there he's tucked there. Now observe something. Observe something. He does not have any pants on, and his coat is still intact. Later on, when we see him, he'll have his pants on, but his coat will have been dismembered. <laughs> so something happens between that moment and the next time we see him, but we don't actually see how those things happened. No. She's got his pants. She's running after him. The monkeys are running after her. Mm-hmm. And then there's this one scene that we never see. It's not in the script. We're just supposed to understand that it must have taken place. He's at the police station. His coat arm has been ripped off, but he's got his pants on. There you go. So somewhere between NBC4 and and the police station, he was reunited with his pants, but the monkeys got a hold of his coat. Yeah, where Davy stole the coat arm. <laughs> ripped it off of him. Now, again... Here, here I go with my noticing of signs. Now, did you notice there are three signs, one on the door, one on the wall, and one on the desk for this missing persons bureau, and none of them have the same title on them? <laughs> no, I did not notice that. The one on the door says missing persons bureau. Oh, no, I said the, the one on the door says bureau of missing persons. The one on the wall says missing persons bureau, and the one on the desk says missing persons. And here's the missing persons right there. You can see two right there that don't match. Mm-hmm. So three different titles for the same office. So there's Davy with the arm of uh, Benson's coat that he must have ripped off. Oh, that poor coat. <laughs> yeah. Paid the price. But I love the fact that that's a dolly shot. And here, see, look, now Mickey's shirt's tucked in. Mm-hmm. He was untucked in the street, untucked in the lobby, and now he's tucked in. <laughs> well. He wanted to clean up. About the same time Benson was putting his pants on. That's West Alameda behind them. They oh. actually did this shot um, right outside of the NBC studios in Burbank, which is where they got the shot of the Channel 4 sign. And um, there is a, a some high-power transmission wires in the background that you can see that are still there today hmm. um, that identify that location. Also, that was um, Reptilicus we saw a moment ago. <laughs> I still have yet to watch it. Reptilicus. I have to we have that. to do that. <laughs> we should do a commentary for Reptilicus. <laughs> Now, there's a joke here that didn't quite translate very well, and that is P- Mickey starts hiccuping. The moment that Peter is cured of his hiccups, oh, yeah. Mickey starts hiccuping. They were all supposed to start hiccuping when Peter was cured, but oh. only Mickey does it. Watch her. She just dropped her shoes on her boss's desk. That is not nervous. <laughs> oh, yeah, look at that. That is ass. <laughs> and he picks up and throws them to the side. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. So he's still being pampered. Yeah, in his robe. He's got a robe on now. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Life he, is good when you're the king. He's spectacular in this role, though. Absolutely. Absolutely love how he plays this. It's he's, He seems so serious, but he does it in such a comedic way. And now they got the, Mickey's drums on a, ref, on a refrigerator mover. <laughs> I wish they would have been hauling their instruments all over in the earlier scenes. I think it would have been funnier if they were. Of course, it wasn't until recent that I noticed that they have the guitar and the bass, but no amps. Yeah, I was going to point that, that the fact out that they they have electric instruments that aren't plugged into anything while they're... Watch the reporter's hand. She's going to start working on his... Nope, okay. <laughs> oh, look at that. I didn't even notice that before you. That... Watch the half moons, Tilda. Yeah, Benson <laughs> moved his hand and the reporter put his hand down and she just picked up the reporter's hand and started working on it. Uh, now, funny. I think... They missed an opportunity here. They could have used Mary Mary for this song. Sure. Mary Mary was the song that was on the tape. Yep. And so if they had sung Mary Mary in the phone booth, then it would have been even that much more ironic. But instead, they're doing Sweet Young Thing, 
which to me makes no sense at all because what is the most prominent instrument in Sweet Young Thing? Yes, 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 yes. It's the fiddle. It's the fiddle, yes. <laughs> I was going to point that out too, that there's a fiddle playing and there's no fiddle. But, oh my goodness. And, you know, I got to hand it to Peter. He really tries to sell the bass playing in this episode. He's always doing that foot stomp thing. And later on, he does it. He's really exaggerated. Watch Davey and Mike as they try to switch the phone off. Yeah, they get stuck in the door. There's no glass in that door. Yeah. By the way, and the tambourine's kind of getting stuck in there too. It's all in the mix. I wonder if that yeah. was intentional or that's just something they started playing up as the the wire got tangled. I don't know, but they did a great job with it. See, now if they were playing Mary Mary into that phone while Benson is ignoring them, it would have just been that much more exquisitely ironic. Oh, absolutely. Because there was the answer to his very question with that very song. And look at the phone in Davy's mouth. Yeah, now I love it. Now, can I tell you that I, that Clark Kent Superman could not have been more telegraphed than it is because it, <laughs> it's obvious to me that he's wearing some sort of uh, of a of something underneath, like football pads or something to make him look a little more buff. Right. And he's got those glasses on that ha I don't think they have lenses in them. Okay, now we need some of our listeners who are comic book buffs to help us identify the Superman costume when it's revealed. Um, it's not quite the right color, but it may date from the days of black and white. I think it may. Oh, potentially. Possibly have been from the George Reeves era. You know, that's a good point. That's a good point because it may have been the colors that it is to make it look better mm -hmm. in black and white. I love that he's got a dime taped to his boot. Yeah, our listeners might not know what Mad Money is. Um, I was taught about Mad Money when I was a girl. Oh, as um, was I when, when I was a young boy. You always yeah. had money in reserve just in case an emergency came up. Yeah, in case your date went bad and mm -hmm. you needed to get home. you had. For me, it was always told to be cab fare, but a dime at least would get you a phone call. Call, yeah. Oh, pay phones. That's a whole other topic of conversation for the <laughs> young kids nowadays. <laughs> Probably wouldn't even know what they were. <laughs> oh, and here's the Superman so, gag. How how did Superman change in a phone booth with people watching? I mean, there's no privacy. Well, he would spin around really quickly. Um, uh, no, that's Wonder Woman. <laughs> according to well, if you watch the movies, uh, the, the 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 Christopher Reeve films, he does it at least once. And look at this. Go ahead. I don't know if that's a legit Superman shirt or not. No. To be honest, it's hard to tell. Ah, Mr. Schneider makes his return. Now watch, watch what Mickey's uh, hand is. They're playing blackjack, and he's got a queen and a four. And then a six comes out. Yeah. Right. But and he immediately claims twenty-one. He only has twenty. He's cheating. He is or he cheating. doesn't. He doesn't know math. Or Mike can't add. <laughs> I just love this bit where Peter is swinging over top of Davy. It's is like that, it makes no sense at all, but it's just cute. It is. But is that is that um, couch cushion thing Davy's laying on always there? I, no, I don't think so, and neither is the hammock. Yeah. And Peter's in his bed clothes. They're all in their pajamas. Is there? What is all... Does Peter have something on his chest as well? There's like a blue... It's a bunny. It's, it's a, bu a bunny. Okay. Oh, I my really God, see... yes. Those are Peter's oh, orange there bunny it is. jammies. Oh, it's cute. It's actually from a, um, a Three Stooges movie. They all had matching bunny pajamas. And the cap, the nightcap, of course, with the pom-pom on it. 
And actually, the, the Blue Bunny pajamas are on the most recent um, release from Rhino Records, the uh, Good Times Extra that has the four bonus tracks on it. Right. One of the illustrations on that uh, cover is the orange jammies with the bunny. <laughs> now, they, they, they say they don't know what kind of band Benson is looking for, but that's not true. Benson sent on invitations to the four Martians, the secret agents, uh, and the Jolly Green Giants. They know exactly what kind of band he's looking for. Yeah. So that's a bit of a plot hole there. Yeah, a little bit. But and I have to point out that for the dummy, Peter comes up with a brilliant idea. Yeah, why, do why we don't we do them? them? I mean, that that's probably... Uh, uh, none of them came up with an idea that good. I mean, why, why not? And speaking of the dummy, Benson didn't think to include in his article the information he gave to the newspapers, mm -hmm. the lyrics of the song that he heard. Ah, he should have, yeah. He could have said, I'm looking for a band that has a song going, Mary, Mary, where are you going to? And then everyone would know which band Exactly. The Jolly Green Giants knew it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> no style band. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I love that Hubble Benson drives the same car that my uncle drove, a Mustang. Uh, although it's a different color than my uncle had back then but and we've got another specific a romp specific to the episode which i love pointing out mm -hmm. always a lot of fun and a lot of costume changes for the monkeys here yeah yeah now the jacket uh, the script said that one of the instruments in this salvation army band was a euphonium but there's not actually a euphonium in that scene oh, yeah. just a trumpet and a trombone However, there will be a euphonium later in the episode. So someone in the props department found a euphonium and said, damn it, you're going to use it. <laughs> I don't know how poor Davy held all of those maracas in his tiny little hands. <laughs> My Lord. So one more band, if you can call that a band, a gypsy band. Um... Yeah, he's lying down again. He's, he's a very leisurely kind of worker. Are those the same gypsy costumes from Son of a Gypsy or no? I think so. Because mm. the gypsies, they, they were matching costumes. That's and the true. Gypsies, Son of a Gypsy were not matching. Ah, yes. Good point. So, so now we have all the other bands getting ready for their big moment in Hubble Benson's office. <laughs> and they're all... Lots of Gretsch placement there. I love how they're all wandering around, kind of intermingling with each other, all trying to warm up. Right. But how could how could any of them actually warm up without some sort of a space to do it in? But I love these guys. They really sell this Jolly Green Giants concept. Because <laughs> they're all really tall. Yeah. And, of course, there's the giveaway moment. Right, it's a no-style group. I love how he dismisses yeah. the monkeys. They're a no-style group, says the man wearing a green bathing cap. <laughs> yeah, no-style group that lives on the beach. <laughs> oh, man. Grace Evan. I love how she catches that phone book. Yeah, and then they all rush off to the monkey's pad because they're all friends, really. There's the euphonium. It's a, oh, like yeah. a baritone horn with two bells. Huh. And Davey's learning how to play it. So let me just say, uh, usually I'm asking about things that I see on the wall behind them. But in this case, I actually did some research myself to talk about one of the posters that's on the wall back there. Uh -huh. There's that Fine Feathers poster. 
uh-huh. right there you can see it. It's yeah. actually a poster from a, a, a sometime in the 1920s stage production of a 1913 play written by a guy named Eugene Walter. So uh-huh. you can actually find that poster uh, online if you want to buy one. It was a uh, America that says on the poster that it's America's uh, biggest American play ever written, a dramatic triumph, and it played at the Astor Theater in New York and the Court Theater in Chicago. Oh, wow. So that must well, have been a poster that was laying around somewhere that they used to dress the set with. Uh-huh. Well, the monkeys decorate through dumpster diving, I think. <laughs> but if you want to have your own monkey's pad, that's the place to start. Yeah. So there's a lot of posters back there, I guess you could try to... That one just happened to be easy to find because the words uh, fine feathers were so easily mm-hmm. visible Right. in the background. If Mary Mary is the sound he fell in love with... Yeah. Is Sweet Young Thing the band he hires? I don't think so, but I'm not surprised he didn't ask to hear Mary Mary specifically. Yeah. So he falls in love with Miss Chomsky's rendition of the theme song. In the script, he turned on a radio and heard a, a woman singing on the radio and fell in love with her voice. And then they all went off searching for the woman that he heard on the radio. Oh, I so like that too. He loves whatever sound he heard most recently. Yeah, I actually I like that ending too. Both the endings are really cute, but... That would have been fun because you could you could imagine that the search just kept continuing because he would find that person, then hear somebody else, and it would start a whole new search and just now keep going. This sequence in the Monkey Mobile, do you think they filmed this in front of a screen or are they actually driving down a street? No, I think they are actually driving down a street, but I, was, I had some notes here uh, about the position of the cameraman. For these two different shots, there, there's. I don't think there's any way that they could have shot this entire sequence with all four of them in the car at the same no. time. No, they couldn't have. Yeah, because right now the cameraman's in front of Mike looking back, so he's got to be sitting where Davy is. Right. But and now you're looking. On, yeah, it's weird. Or maybe Davy was holding the camera and then Peter was holding the camera. Yeah, who knows? They would have had to hand the camera around, do some creative editing. <laughs> no, I don't think the union would allow that. <laughs> no, probably not. And then Peter once again disappears. He does that a lot. He does. And we're, we're back with the missing persons. I love how Mike just gets up off the desk, walks over to the, the file cabinet there, or the, the shelves, and just starts throwing stuff off the shelf into the air. They all definitely get into it. Yeah. And now we cut abruptly to a interview that was filmed over a month later. This is early December, and they're on the set of Monkeys in the Ring. You can tell because this is the set where Davey practiced his boxing. Hmm. And they're talking about the Sunset Strip riots, which took place starting on November 12th of 1966. So three or four weeks earlier before this conversation was held um and uh they have a lot to say um mickey says he was there which i was surprised but there apparently were celebrities in the crowd and and i haven't seen his name mentioned but he says he was there and i believe him um yeah there were about a thousand or so uh young people demonstrating they were trying to save a, a music club called pandora's box which was one of these um nightclubs where teenagers could go and apparently it was so popular that the local folks in los angeles were um, demanding that it be shut down because it was causing 
traffic problems and crowding problems right at one of the busiest intersections in Los Angeles. So uh, they were protesting the closing of their favorite club and mm -hmm. some violence broke out, some things were damaged um, and uh, the kids were blamed. Although there is some dispute as to whether the kids were the ones actually causing the violence. Wow. The Pandora's box was closed permanently. Um, although it did open on one occasion for uh, Buffalo Springfield to perform their song for what it's worth, hmm. which is actually about that riot. Interesting. Yeah, this so, struck me as a really heavy choice for a attack on at the end of the episode, but I guess it was topical. Yeah. I mean, they're talking about, about current events. They're talking about things that were in the news and, uh, it ranges a bit, you know, they're not specifically talking only about the riots. They're talking about being discriminated against for your long hair. And uh, Davey says that he got into a bit of an altercation with some guys in Hawaii, which I think, you know, 10 big guys against Davey sounds just about fair to me, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of a monkey style romp with the 10 guys bumping into each other, <laughs> knocking each other out, trying to get Davey. Yeah. And then at the very end, Davey says that no one's going to listen to him because he's not 21 yet. <laughs> yeah, I think all he, kids felt that way. Well, you know, you couldn't vote until you were 21 in, in 1966. Uh, thank you very much, Bobby Hart, for helping to bring about voting age down to 18. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think one of the most profound things I heard, and uh, well, actually, I'm going to press pause and get around to that when we talk about our most valuable monkey. Okay. So, well, we are about at that point as the credits are now rolling and the episode is now over. And as we always do, we look back and pick who we thought was the most valuable monkey in this episode. And uh, Melanie, do you want to go first? Who want me to go first? Yeah, I'll go first because I was about to give it away. Okay. I'm going to give it to Mike. Um, oh. And I'm going to give it to Mike for his observation during that interview segment. Um, when uh, Rafelson asked, do you want all kids to be wearing their hair like you wear your hair? And he answered, I'd like kids to wear their hair exactly the way they'd like to wear their hair. Yeah. Which I think for a spontaneous observation was incredibly wise and incredibly well put. Yeah, no, I, I agree. That's a, that's a great insight. In fact, I actually had a note about that in my notes and I, uh, I didn't get to say it, but I'm glad that you brought it up. Uh, my MVM, I'm going to have to give it to Peter. Just because he came up with the great idea for them to be the band that uh, <laughs> Hubble Benson was looking for. I just, I love that moment. I thought that was a brilliant idea. And I thought it was a great thing for Peter to, to come up with. I love when Peter gets to do uh, something really great in an episode and transcend his, you know, dummy uh, moniker. So great. Well, to see let's him. not, let's not forget that he was sitting there reading the editorial page. He was. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so everybody out there, it, you, it's your turn to come up with your MVM, Most Valuable Monkey Vote, for this episode. And you can do that by uh, going on social media. I'm sure Melanie will put out the call for everybody to cast their votes once the episode uh, goes live. So uh, anything else from you, Melanie, before we wrap this color cast commentary? I'll just say I'll get down on my hands and knees and beg for people to vote for their most valuable monkey. Oh, well, I, we have some wonderful listeners out there and a very active Facebook community so i'm sure we'll get plenty of votes i hope so all right well melanie it's been fun doing this color cast commentary with you and we'll be back together soon for our next one awesome thank right. you so much thank you and thanks everybody for listening bye thank you for tuning in to tonight's monkeys color cast i'm your announcer ghosty timmers now back to the show
Hi, Zilch fans. This is Melanie Mitchell. Be sure to check out my book, Monkey Magic, a book about a TV show about a band. It's a lighthearted review and companion for the TV show that made the 60s fun. The paperback is available online from Amazon or Barnes & Noble, and the ebook can be bought anywhere that fine ebooks are sold. Check out the Monkey Magic Facebook page, follow me on Tumblr at bluemoonalto.tumblr.com, and listen for my contributions here on Zilch, a monkey's podcast. This is Michael Lynch. I am the one that makes those crazy bumpers you hear in the beginning of the show. And you're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. Happy holidays to everyone in the Zilch family. And now, it's time for Zilch. And we welcome to the show Zilch's own Michael Lynch. Welcome to Zilch, Michael Lynch. Glad you are finally here, sir. Thanks a lot, Ken, and uh, hello to all the Zilch people. Hope you're all having a good holiday season. Now, a lot of people may not realize, but you are our man behind the scenes who takes care of most of our audio sounds as far as things like this. So you are that guy. You're the man who provides us with those cool theme songs and stuff like that. And you happened to get that to us fairly early in the run of Zilch. And we want to thank you for that, sir. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's, um, first of all, it's great to be uh, somehow um, part of Zilch because I enjoy the show. But also it's a great uh, outlet for the love of the monkeys and the love of the monkeys music. And being a musician myself, it uh, kind of ties that all together, which is great. Mm-hmm. You're so incredibly talented. Uh, how did you find the monkeys? Tell us your monkey story. I you, uh, actually, it all goes back to uh, the mid-1970s. That's when I caught them. It was when um, those of you who live in the New York area remember when they were on afternoons on WNEW Channel 5. Uh, just one day after school, um, uh, my brother, my sister, and the babysitter, we just turned it on. We were watching it, and uh, I remember it was the Son of Gypsy episode. So that was my first taste of the monkeys was that specific episode. I remember uh, one thing that made an impression with me was that uh, one of them had the same first name as me, which was uh, good. Although, since I liked the drums at the time, I was a little disappointed when I found out that the one with my name wasn't the drummer. But uh, mm. but I do remember I'm a believer. I remember the scene of them doing that. I was just instantly hooked. So I became a fan of the show. Although it wasn't until a few years later that I started really getting more into the music. You know, for a few years I was just someone who liked the monkeys, but I didn't become a big fan until a lot later on. Uh-huh. Or, or a few years later on, anyway. Yeah, it's, it's always kind of an interesting discussion. Is the monkeys a band or a TV show or both? I mean, how, do, how what do the monkeys mean to you? I know that for, like, myself, there were times that the monkeys weren't on television, and it was nice to be able to still experience them and enjoy them, you know, on vinyl or, or, or what have you. Oh, yeah, I mean, uh, well, I, I should say first off that I am a little bit more of a fan of the music than I am of the TV show, although I am a, bit, a fan of both. But there was a time, by the time I really got into the group, 
from then up until the MTV revival in 1986, there was no way to see the show, and I was just starving to see that show. Uh-huh. I just really wanted to, because by that time I had gotten all the albums, I knew all the records by heart, and now I just wanted to see the show again, because uh, my memories of seeing it when I was a kid were just, you know, very uh, minimal. You know, I could remember a few things, but I just wanted to see the show again. I was just dying to, and before I did, I got to see Head on cable TV, so that was a taste of it. But then, thankfully, when MTV finally had them in 1986, that was. That was a very happy day. Very good. Yeah, Head is a uh, tough thing to see when you're wanting to see the TV show because it's really not like it all that much. <laughs> yeah, but it, but you know what? It, it was just like I said. It was just I was just so grateful to see any monkeys film footage at that point. I mean, because I I didn't even see them in any specials. Let's say talking about rock history or TV history, right. just to show a clip of them. I think there was one one time when. Uh, Maybe there was a TV segment about Menudo that briefly compared them to the monkeys, and they showed maybe a clip of the intro, and that, that was it. And wow. I was grateful for that, you know, 10 seconds or whatever it was, you know? Yeah, absolutely. People don't realize how good they have it now with uh, the monkeys being on antenna TV, the Blu-ray available, the DVDs, and even on YouTube you can watch them. So Exactly. If you ever want to see the show, there's plenty of ways to do it whenever you want to see it. I, I once heard somebody on the radio make a good comment. They said... Uh, something to the effect of uh, uh, today's kids don't know the meaning of the phrase you can't watch it, it's not on. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, those days are gone and I and sometimes I miss those days but some, uh, for the most part I'm glad that you know we have whatever we want to see right at our disposal. Well in the, on the other hand isn't it weird that with everything we have available that we always, that we fall trapped to the curse of well I'll watch that some other time. And yeah, sometimes that someday never comes, yeah. as uh, John Fogarty would say. Exactly. I was going to go there if you didn't, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's it's kind of weird. you got to make time and take time, and that's why it's important to value every second that you've got, folks. Exactly. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. We are all limited time editions, you know, limited edition collectibles, so love everyone <laughs> in your life. <laughs> I like that. Well, it's true. I mean, we, we think about all these things that say limited edition on it, and we buy it, and we keep it in the plastic. We never open it. We never experience it. And let's hope that we don't treat uh, our loved ones that way. Open <laughs> it up, folks. Use it while you can. So Exactly. I second that. Yeah. Amen. So you're into music. How did you get into music? Uh, what are your influences as far as music, and how has the monkeys influenced your music? All right. Well, I got into it just uh, from hearing some records around the house when I was young. My father had some albums. Uh, he loved Harry Belafonte, so that uh-huh. was some of the first music I ever heard. Mamas and Papas, uh, uh, John Denver, actually. But he also had a few Beatles albums, and that was uh, that's what really got me started in rock and roll. I started with the Beatle route. Uh, from Beatles, I got into the Stones, but it was somewhere along the way that I had that time when I discovered the TV show on Channel 5, as I said before. And uh, I do remember, as far as how did the monkeys influence it, Christmas time in second grade. Uh, school assignment, you know, what do you want for Christmas? And uh, one thing I said was on my list, I remember, three friends to form a rock and roll band with. And I wasn't thinking Beatles at the time. I was definitely thinking Monkeys because I was figuring, I was uh, imagining the, the red shirts and the maracas and everything. <laughs> Perfect. So, so that, uh, Yeah, you know, and that's, that, that is, a lot of people think about the myth of a, of a band. You watch uh, Help, for example, they all live in that one house and they all hang out all the time and... And sadly, it's it's not as cool as being in the Monkees or being in the Beatles. You know what I mean? It's it's a little more like uh, you go and you work and then you practice once a week. 
<laughs> Unless you make it real big, it's 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 not near as funny, and you don't have a really cool landlord like uh, like the monkeys had. That was a exactly, pain that or a cool was. grandfather like Paul had. Yeah, there you go. He's your grandfather. <laughs> Hello. Everyone's entitled to two. You know. That's the other one. <laughs> oh yeah, love. Believe me, I, we, we, I'm sure we could both do Hard Day's Night line for line. Oh yeah, yeah. Yep. I think that's essential if you're going to be a musician. You got to know your Beatles line for line. Yeah. Well, if you have good taste, so. Of course. So, as you know, on Zilch, we do the Monkeys Color Cast Commentary. And as we've just heard Jeff and Melanie do the Monkeys Color Cast Commentary for Find the Monkeys, or the Edition, as it's called, you've done some really cool stuff with this. You took the Hubble Benson All-Stars, and you did something with this. Yeah, you know, from the first time I ever saw that episode, which was in 86, I don't remember that from when I was a kid, but... uh. One thing I wondered, if those were real bands, you know, the, uh, the Four Martians and the, uh, the Secret Agents and uh, the Jolly Green Giants, how could I forget them? I just wanted, you know, what would those bands sound like? I figured, okay, it was 1966, so, you know, like, you know, real album rock hadn't really kicked in yet, so the music I figured would probably still be, um, um, you know, sort of like pop and dance, you know, mm-hmm. friendly. Right. You know, because, you know, by that, you know, only a few groups were branching out of that at that point. Um, so I just kind of imagined kind of the songs they would sing. And uh, just a couple of years ago, uh, as an April Fool's joke, I decided to do an imaginary record, one song apiece by each of those bands. And uh, then I decided, hey, why don't I share this with Zilch? And that's what I did, the Hubble Benson All-Stars. So I kind of breathed life into the, uh, those three bands because you never actually hear the bands on the show, except when they're rehearsing in the office, all playing at once. Right. And you did such a great job. I mean, I absolutely oh, love you. what you did. I know that you put these online so people could buy them. And in a, you know, since we've done the Monkey's Color Cast commentary for this episode, this is kind of like a bonus disc, if you will, for the Blu-ray set. And it's an audio of your very cool songs. Would you like to talk about how you approached each one of these? Like, let's, let's go, for example, the Four Martians. All right, let's see. What song was that? Blast Off Baby. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's the thing. You know, when I was thinking about these bands, I figured, you know, each has their own persona. Obviously, you know, I have a little different concept. But I figured, you know, how far would if those bands really existed in 65, 66, how far would they have really taken that in their music? Would every one of their songs been about that? And I figured they, you know, they would have had a few, you know, acknowledging, for example, the Four Martians. I'm sure they would have a few songs about outer space. Mm-hmm. But then it would be, uh, you know, regular, you know, love songs. So I figured, let me do one of their. Uh, outer space songs so but still being dancing like i said because they'd still be playing pop music at the time playing kind, the clubs kind of garage you know yeah kind of kind of garage but you know i'll tell you exactly the band that uh, i thought was a good example of what they would sound like i don't know how many people out there are familiar with the new colony six mm. uh their, their biggest hits were kind of on the pop like kind of a soft side almost like the association but mm-hmm. on their first couple albums they were very 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 good dance band uh, very dance garage melodic uh, harmonic, and uh, that's kind of a good sense of what I thought these bands would sound like. So if you ever if you ever hear their album Breakthrough, their 1966 debut, that's sort of the template for uh, the kind of sound I was going for. Um, and let me see. Um, yeah, so for uh, the Four Martians, what did I do? Blast Off Baby. Mm-hmm. So I just put in a whole bunch of uh, puns about outer space and transport and uh, stratosphere, and uh, but kept it. Uh, you can dance to it. Well, would you like to introduce it? 
Alrighty, here are the four Martians with their 1966 smash on Hubble Benson Records. Blast off, baby! 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1! Blast off, baby! I wanna see you again. Blast off, baby! You never were a good friend. Transport yourself out of here. Find another stratosphere. Get the Milky Way. Just blast off! WKIP, the home of the big hits. The Four baby. Martians with Blast Off Baby. <laughs> that is such a cool track. And of course, you know, just going with that concept, you could do so many songs. You know, she really sends me to the moon. <laughs> you know. would have been the B-side. Yeah, she puts me into warp drive. That would have been the C-side. <laughs> just so much fun. Now... Uh, how long did it take you to record each of these tracks? I gotta admit, I, I, uh, speed was the key on that one. I, cause I figured, you know, I'm, I'm not making Sergeant Pepper here. So I figured, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. So if it sounds a little rushed, that's why. Oh, basically I would do, um, I think for all three of those songs, I would pretty much do, uh, all the guitar parts in a row for all three. Then I would do all the bass parts for all three. Then all the drums for all three. I would just do one instrument at a time for all three. Just to, just to keep it going. I figured, you know, one would come right after the other on the machine, so it was easy to keep it going. Wow. Well, let's check out the next track, The Foreign Agents. Now, at this time, we had Get Smart, James Bond, and The Man From U.N.C.L.E. and all this stuff, so this was kind of that band's gimmick. Just like The Four Martians were based around a space theme, The Four Agents were based around the spy kind of motif, and the monkeys did their share of spy episodes, if you will. What went behind this track, and what's the name of it? Well, the name of it is uh, Secret Mission to Your Heart, and I kind of based it around that little uh, bargain basement James Bond rip that starts off the song. <laughs> I think I would just base around that. I think it had to be an E minor, but it couldn't be a sinister sounding E minor, because, you know, usually when songs are in a minor key, they get all depressing or spooky. Mm-hmm. But I tried to keep it as fun as a minor key could be. <laughs> well, like Secret Agent Man. Exactly. Yeah, there you I, go. And that, and that was definitely an inspiration because I love that record. Right. Well, you want to intro this one? 
And now presenting to all the listeners, a secret mission to your heart. Well, I've been from sea to sea, many missions behind me, but now I plan to start a secret mission to your heart. was the foreign agents this is so cool that you were able to do this and i just absolutely love this now the one that we got the biggest kick out of here when we uh opened up the tracks and listened to them the first time was the jolly green giants (laughs) (laughs) that was a fun one to do too and i remember melanie saying something there's got to be corn in there somewhere right and I oh, said, of course, I got to, I got to. Well, that's the thing. If you know me, if you've known me for a long time, everybody who knows me knows that I love the sticking in puns, which is wherever I can. And uh, mm-hmm. that one was just an open uh, forum for uh, some of my worst or best, depending <laughs> depending which side you're on. Well, you know, you can really uh, see where this song's going, and it goes exactly where you think it would. It, these are just so fantastic. You know, it's it, it's almost like what you've done is similar to what they did in the movie That Thing You Do with the music from Adam Schlesinger by Tom Hanks. Oh my goodness, was I just compared to uh, Adam Schlesinger? Yes, you just were, and Tom I Hanks. Am, so. I am bowing. You can't see me, but I'm bowing. I'll, I'll put the microphone closer to my feet, but I am bowing. But, uh, <laughs> you say that, I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, seriously, you've probably put more effort into this than anybody has since you know the, the Jolly Green Giants and the Foreign Agents and the Four Martians were created. This is probably the most anyone's thought about those guys, because <laughs> you know your oh, yeah. focus is on the monkeys. You know, well, I'm, I'm, that's just how warped I am. I gotta tell you. <laughs> well, we like you being just as warped as you are. We love you just the way you are. So there you go. You know, you didn't know you were going to be serenaded you. today. <laughs> well, let's intro the Jolly Green Giants, please, sir. Take it away. Yo ho ho! Here come the Jolly Green Giants. And yo ho ho, I love you so.
dancing over here. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta admit that was maybe the hardest one to think of an idea for because you know, Jolly Green Giants. Uh, how many places can you go with that? Right. Luckily, I found one. I figured, okay, I only have to go for one, and I found it. So proceed from here. Now, if people want to get these online, then then, then God bless them. God bless them. But how can they do it? All righty. Uh, the best place to do would be to go to my page on Bandcamp, and I will give you the address for that, uh, which is very simple. It's just, as all one word, michaellynchmusic.bandcamp.com, and uh, you'll see all sorts of funny-looking pictures on that page. But uh, I'll tell you what, for the benefit of the listeners, I'll make sure that the Hubble Benson All-Stars picture, which is sort of a pinkish picture, I'll put that toward the top so it's easier to find, and uh, you can click away on that, and you will get uh, the three songs as well as in both stereo versions and mono, because I'm doing the 60s kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Some people prefer mono. And you also get instrumental versions, so if you want to sing along yourself, you get the lyric sheet if you order, this, if you order the uh, download. And you get the Hubble Benson theme song. Wow. So, but only once. I only uh, made one mix of that. Yeah. Well, how many times are you going to bust that out at karaoke? So. Exactly. And, and, of course, there's the famous check the show notes for the links so definitely we want to send people there if you can show michael lynch and his great uh project here the hubble benson all-stars with the four martians the foreign agents and the jolly green giants he literally is a one-man band (laughs) and we are glad that you are zilch's one-man band because we love the bumpers and the stuff that you make for us and uh we, you know, it, it seriously, it, you are a big part of every episode. You know, I appreciate that you guys use it, and I appreciate that you guys like hearing them, and um, I owe you some new ones. You've requested a few new ones. I'm sorry I've been a little slow on that, but uh, it's <laughs> like a... That's, that's oh. the sound of the cracking whip. <laughs> Ouch. Well, I will have some, uh, I promise the listeners, and I promise you we'll make some more new ones in 2017, and... Um, and I just enjoy doing it. It's a great way, uh, you know, since I love the music of the monkeys, it's mm-hmm. a great way to replicate it without having to, without having to do the whole damn song. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the fun of it. You know, because I, I enjoy that. You know, I've been doing that for, uh, I do things like that for other podcasts and mm-hmm. uh, friends I have with radio shows where I do these little bumpers based on specific songs. And it's always uh, fun uh, trying to crack the code and trying to replicate the record. It's almost like uh, someone who's a, a chef trying to crack the recipe of some uh, product on the shelf. I do it with music, in my musical kitchen. Excellent. And you do it well, sir. Uh, 2016 was definitely the year of the monkeys. And, of course, we know that the Blu-ray set is, is available for purchase still. And get it while you can, folks. Speaking of limited collector's editions if you will but we also had good times what did you think of the good times album i really did like it i um i remember the day it arrived in the mail and uh, listening to it and just being taken thinking oh that's a good song and then the next one would play oh that's a good song too and of course some of them we already knew ahead of time so mm-hmm. it was good to hear the familiar ones um in a new context but all in all it was a very fun day that there was new monkeys music to listen to and that it was uh, good music I was definitely a fan of that album, and I was especially happy when I saw how high it charted in the charts. I, what was it, 15, 14? Something like that. It, it was up there. Yeah. But it, it's been an amazing year. Do you have any highlights as far as the year of the monkeys? You know, I did quite a bit monkey-wise. Uh, for example, I was telling you off the air before that I did go to the Peter Noon and Mickey Dolan show, which was uh, less than 10 minutes from me, so that was nice. So I started the year. That was January, so started the year on a good monkey note. I got to see them twice, uh, once at Town Hall in New York City, which was the show where Mike Skyped himself for the one song, 
So that was a treat. Uh-huh. Uh, then I saw them again at um, CW Post. I think they've changed the name of it, but the Tillis Center, that was in October. Uh, so those were all highlights, but I think uh, Good Times in general was a highlight. It was especially Good Day, the first day I heard She Makes Me Laugh, and thinking, wow, that's a really good song. I'm really happy that that's what they sound like now, and that's their new music, and I'm all for it. I hope it becomes a hit. Very much so. It was a fantastic year, and I'm glad that you were part of this with us. Oh, I, just, uh, I appreciate you having me and let me uh, do things for Zilch. Happy to do it as a fan of the show, as a fan of the monkeys, and uh, just a fan of Zilch. We want to thank you for lending us your talents. And again, check out the Hubble Benson All-Stars gang. Throw some love towards uh, Mr. Michael Lynch. Thanks a lot, Ken. I do appreciate that. My best to you and to Sarah and to Melanie and to Jeff and Jeff and Jeff. How many Jeffs is it now? Uh, <laughs> a couple of them and a couple Craigs and a couple Jeffs. and a, you know they, they were on sale two for one. <laughs> All right, Ken, I'll tell you what. I keep promising you those new bumpers. Uh, maybe I better go make them right now. So I'm going to have to maybe uh, sign off right now and go do something for Zilch. All right, brother. We'll see you soon. Hi, fellow Zilch fans. This is Dr. Roseanne Welch, author of Why the Monkeys Matter, Teenagers, Television, and American Pop Culture, a book about the enduring significance of the monkeys as a groundbreaking television program one that introduced audiences to new ideas of political ideology and new concepts of class and feminist theory. A program that challenged the rules of a new medium and paved the way for future innovation. Why the Monkeys Matter highlights the artistic achievements of the show's writers, actors, directors, and other artists, and celebrates all that the monkeys mean to television, to American popular culture, and to us, the fans. Why the Monkeys Matter is available in print and for Kindle, Apple iBooks, and Nook from your favorite bookseller. Find out more at RoseanneWelch.com. R-O-S-A-N-N-E-W-E-L-C-H.com. Well, we want to thank you all for listening to this episode of Zilch. We'd like to thank Jeff Hewlett, Melanie Mitchell, and David Wills, the one and only Ghosty Timmers, for doing the Monkey's Colorcast commentary this episode. And we'd also like to thank Michael Lynch for stopping by. We look forward to coming back soon where we're going to do a holiday theme slash monkeys in Australia episode. So if you were lucky enough to see the monkeys down under, please send us an MP3 file. They can send those MP3 files uh, from about three to five minutes long to zilchcast at gmail.com. Zilchcast at gmail.com. So please, if you were lucky enough to see the monkeys in Australia and just want to say hi or talk about the Zilch meetups or the monkeys show or the good time that you had, please send us a... Or your favorite banana bread recipe. Or your favorite banana bread recipe. There you go. Just uh, (laughs) send it along and uh, you may be part of an upcoming Zilch episode. So we need to have those by the 15th, I would say, right? Absolutely, yes. So that Daniel, Sam, Eric, Monkey Man, so on and so forth. Uh, you're all down there. You're listening. I know you are. Send them. Send them now. So we look forward to, to hearing from you all. Hope to see you on the next episode of Zilch. Right, Christine? Right. Bye, everybody. All right. We will see you. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Burke. 
If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. <laughs> Don't now. Now really, everybody cool it because I won't be able to get through this. Hey, wow. It's a groovy button. What does it say? Love is the ultimate trip. Oh, gee, that's a nice thought. Gee, that's a neat button. What does it say? Let's go again. Even though we're performing. Okay. <laughs> okay, here we go. So, Christine, what's going on? Oh, Can't wait. All right. You're going to have to stop that paper bullshit. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> or you can say, I need to shuffle papers, okay? Because I can hear it really loud. It's picking up. I need to shuffle papers. There you go. Paper shuffler. Alrighty. And here we are with monkey... Get it together, Mills. What's this? We Want the Monkeys podcast is on Zilch. Hello, America. This is Dave the Avon Lady. What you are hearing is correct. We Want the Monkeys, your second favorite monkeys podcast, is joining Zilch. This mega merger of epic proportions will rock the monkey world down to its very core. Soon, you will be able to enjoy the history of the monkeys on Zilch. You have been listening to We Want the Monkeys on iTunes. Now you can hear it right here. Hashtag Zilch Nation for life. Hi again, fellow Monkeys fans. Al Bigley here, also known as Mendrick the Magnificent. And your favorite humble mentalist, Alan Araculo Williams. We just wanted to let you know about our new Monkeys podcast called The Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Where we reminisce and ruminate along with you guys about our favorite entertainment entity, The Monkeys. Who? Oh, oh, of course, The Monkeys. We talk about anything and everything. Our own personal memories and opinions, watershed moments in the group's history... You'll hear my partner's famous, amazing remixes of your favorite monkey tunes. Who knows what else we can think of, depending on whether the brain cells work. That's right. Find us on our Facebook page. Just search for the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Or go to blogspot.com and search for us there. A monkey's podcast for everyone. The Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. Check us out. Hello, friends of Zilch. I'm Craig. And I'm Megan. And if you're looking for even more Monkeys content, you can find us at Same Page Cast. On the Pods and Sods Network at iTunes. Hey, hey, ape fans. Did you know that there were not just one, but two Planet of the Apes TV series broadcast in the 1970s? A live action series in 1974 and an animated series in 1975. And if you're an ape fan who wants to catch up on these series to a fun-filled podcast, then tune in to Talking Apes TV, where we break down each episode with ergotastic conversations. That's right, they are ergotastic until we break into arguments because we don't always see things ape to ape. <laughs> That's because you're always seeing vampires and pigs in with the gorillas, chimpanzees, and zayuses. Every time I watch them, I always see something new. And of course, where you find apes, you find monkeys! 
There are so many crossovers between the Monkees and the Planet of the Apes TV series that we even had our podcast composer write this very special jingle. Hey, hey, we're the apes, and people say we monkey around, but we took over the planet, so don't try to keep us down. You can catch Talking Apes TV every month at skywalkingthroughneverland.com and retrozap.com. And visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash TV. Now go ape! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Hello, Skywalkers! Hey, hey, Zilch Nation! Are you looking for a fun-filled Star Wars and Disney podcast? Well, if you answered yes, then join me, Richard Woloski, and my sweetie wife, Sarah, on Skywalking, Skywalking Through, Through Neverland. Neverland. We are the family-friendly Star Wars and Disney podcast that brings you entertaining stories from creators and fans. And we're also big monkey fans, too. So, of course, we have to slip in some monkey stories and interviews, like our discussion with director James Frawley. We also would go to the beach, for example, with the four boys, and I would just say, okay, roll down the hill. <laughs> do a funny walk. Did you create the monkey walk? Yeah, I mean, we did it together. You can hear us every week. We are Skywalking Through Neverland, wherever podcasts are played, and at skywalkingthroughneverland.com. We look forward to having you in our Skywalker family. And always remember, Neverland, Neverland on Alderaan. Or Mammoth Studios. I get that now. <laughs> You know, the word oldies isn't a dirty word. Not in my book, anyway. Hey, this is Ghosty. How would you like to listen to a radio show that spins top hits, lost gems, and then some from the glorious years between 1955 and 1972? One that features interviews with the likes of Julie Newmar, John Sebastian, Al Jardine, Mickey Dolenz, Don Wells, David Cassidy, Angela Cartwright, Bill Medley, Ronnie Spector, Connie Stevens, and many more. Well, the Vintage Rockin' Pop Shop is on the air every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 89.1 WFDU-FM. That's in the uh, New York, New Jersey area. You can also listen to it live online by going to WFDU.FM. But there's an even easier way for you folks who aren't in the New York, New Jersey area and don't want to have to get up at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on a Sunday morning. You can listen to it anytime you want just by clicking the handy links over on our Facebook page. So go on to Facebook. You're probably already on Facebook. Look for the Vintage Rockin' Pop Shop. Like it, live it, love it. And thanks.